Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 267. And this week, Amanda is flying solo, but her wingman is an amazing guest from one of our favorite companies here on Perpetual Traffic, HREFs. And Mikhail Pekonik, I believe that's how he pronounces his name, I'm still probably butchering it, uh, is going to be talking some really advanced SEO strategies with regard to Wikipedia pages. This is kind of the holy grail of SEO. And if you can get to write an article for Wikipedia and make it really good content-wise and actually put some links in, there are no follow links for you SEOs, but huge in the way of authority building this guy knows how to do that. So as we always say here in Perpetual Traffic, any traffic to your site is good traffic, okay? As long as it's not like crappy affiliate traffic or something like that. But the point is, is SEO is still a huge part of everything that we do inside Tier 11. Yes, we talk a lot about Facebook and Instagram advertising, but SEO and ranking and creating content that's useful and relevant to your audience might not necessarily help you with SEO, but it will help with conversion on your site. And Mikhail is going to be talking about that here today with regard to Wikipedia specifically. So without further ado, take it away, Amanda and Mikhail. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. We are so excited today to have a very special guest with us. And when I say we, I mean I, because actually Ralph is stuck in the middle of a hurricane, you guys. Don't worry, him and his family are safe, but today I am recording solo with our very special guest who we have here today from HREFs. Mahel Pitsonic. Hopefully I uh, pronounced that as closely as I possibly could. <laughs> but we are so excited to have him with us today to be talking all about SEO and content strategy, which as you all know, is my absolute favorite topic to get into and chat about. So we are so excited. And thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me, Amanda. I'm excited to be here. We were thrilled thrilled to have you on. I know Ralph is really disappointed that he is stuck essentially in the rain, but hopefully <laughs> we'll be able to have you on again and we can uh, continue this conversation. But first, to kick us off, like I said, you are currently working at HREFs, but tell, I guess, tell our listeners a little bit about how you got started in SEO and how you ended up, how you ended up where you are now. So I guess as with most SEOs or maybe even marketers, <laughs> my, my path to SEO was pretty random. I actually got into marketing in general when I was studying abroad in China and my Mandarin classes apparently weren't enough to occupy my free time. 
<laughs> so, so I took some marketing courses online. I think it, it was on Coursera back then. And like one of my majors was actually applied economics. So I would learn marketing nonetheless. But I was already interested in that. I got into marketing and then I was thinking about learning something, you know, hands-on because I just, I just learned the theory of marketing and everything. And there was a course on Coursera about SEO that was like opening in like two days. And I didn't even think about it much. And I just signed up for it because it was starting soon. And it all went from there. Like (laughs) (laughs) I enrolled in this course, I completed it and it caught my attention. I was fascinated by SEO, by the search, how Google works or how search engine works in general. And yeah, it get me entertained up until now. Yeah, there's always something to keep you entertained in the SEO world, right? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Like Twitter, SEO Twitter is always fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, we could talk for hours about that. You're right. It's such a, a normal thing in the SEO world to say that you kind of fall into it and that you were never never trying to go that direction. So you were originally in marketing. Did you have a like a specific trajectory that where you were originally trying to go like in like paid marketing or anything like that? No, no. It was like when I started studying studying in the university, my two, ma- two majors were Chinese studies and applied economics. So I was oh, always fascinated. Wow. <laughs> that was... is very different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was always fascinated by by languages. I would consider myself as a polyglot. Yeah. And I thought that I I would be an interpreter one day or something, but I wanted to have some backup for that if if it didn't turn out well or something or I didn't have the interest later. So <laughs> I just started stud- studying applied economics as well to have some other knowledge. And part of, of the applied economics is obviously marketing. And yeah, it's like, <laughs> as I said, it, it lasted up until now and I'm not thinking about giving it up. So I love that. And how long have you been with Ahrefs? Because we talk about your tool all the time. So we were really excited to have you on the show because we use it here at Digital Marketer. And we actually just had our guest a few weeks ago from IBM who was talking about it extensively. So how did you end up there? Oh, that, that, that's great. Like, Someone from IBM talking about Ahrefs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I actually joined. It's it's going to be around the year right now. I joined at the same time as Patrick Stocks, who worked in IBM before. And the hiring campaign, if I can call it like that, was mm-hmm. kind of special, I think. Because there wasn't any open position like on the website. You, you couldn't click like requirements or how to apply. Tim just wrote a few tweets and you had to figure it out. Oh, that's so, wow. That is really interesting. So you saw the, essentially the job listing through Tim's Twitter account. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was, even in, in my last job, I was already using Ahrefs extensively. I was an avid user and I was following Ahrefs. I was following Tim. So when when I saw the opportunity, it immediately caught my attention and I gave it a shot. I love it. Did you have to tweet back at him or what was he trying to get people to do? I think you could have tweeted back at him. You could have sent him a video. You could have done anything that got his attention, I guess. It was like part <laughs> of the part of the task because like if 
you're trying to be a good marketer, you have to kind of sell yourself. So you have to oh, find yeah. a way how to how to catch Tim's attention. <laughs> and then kind of sell yourself that you're a good candidate for the job. I love that. But and- I, 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 I wrote an email. <laughs> <laughs> good. I mean, you know what? You can't you can't go wrong with the classics, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like I think I wrote a pretty nonsensical headline in that email, <laughs> so he just had to click it. <laughs> Smart. It's clever. Yeah, like a good subject line can change can change the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And for our listeners who don't know, Tim Solo is your head of marketing, correct? Yeah, that's yeah, his exactly. Title. Yeah. So, and Tim was tweeting out when we talk about Tim. That's who Tim is the head of marketing at Hrefs. But I'm super excited to have you on today because we've been uh, chatting before the show about a really interesting strategy that you've been working on. Like I said, you, you're currently essentially a content marketer, correct? So you've been working on all things content there at Hrefs. Yes, exactly. Most of my time I dedicate to writing blog posts and doing, let's say, some data research and coming up with some data studies, case studies, general blog posts and so on. I love that. And yeah, if you guys haven't checked out Hrefs blog, they have an amazing resource center that we're on all the time uh, that have these case studies where you can dive into a lot of the strategies that they're already working on. And the strategy that I am so excited to talk about today is Wikipedia pages. <laughs> so if anyone, anyone who's a marketer and has ever searched Google in general, pretty much anyone in general, knows that Wikipedia usually is always at the top of the search results, historically ranking for a lot of results. So it is actually a a pretty big, I'd say a pretty big strategy within SEO. Although I will will say an extremely difficult strategy in SEO to work within Wikipedia to essentially generate backlinks, but I know Wikipedia has no follow backlinks. So then you start getting into the real nitty gritty of, you know, driving authority through Wikipedia because Wikipedia has obviously a massive amount of authority because they're ranking for so many hundreds of probably millions of terms on Google. So we were chatting about the strategy that you guys have been working on and that you in particular, it sounds like headed up at Hrefs to try to start ranking ranking, I guess, creating articles and content to drive traffic through Wikipedia. Is that right? Not exactly. I Not exactly. I already have it wrong. <laughs> the, 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 the main goal was to just have a Wikipedia page to kind of uh, strengthen our brand equity. Okay. Yeah. Drive the authority. When you search for Ahrefs or any other branded uh, keywords, uh, Wikipedia can show up or often shows yep. up. And kind of powers up a knowledge panels and the knowledge graph to a certain extent. Yep. So because I was writing an article about, about the knowledge graph before, I was wondering myself, like, why don't we have a Wikipedia page yet? So, <laughs> so I kind of proposed that idea of me creating it, documenting the way of getting it approved, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> because that's... Also, another topic for an interesting blog post, like when you, when you look up how to create a Wikipedia page on Google today, before I release my article, like those articles are not good at all. <laughs> so before I let you fully dive in, it is, 
it's pretty interesting to read into the strategy. I know you and I have already talked about how you'll be creating some content around how you've started trying to work within Wikipedia and the steps that you've taken and exactly what's been going down, which we'll chat more about. But, you know, I'm so interested in this specifically because at the tech company that I worked at before Digital Marketer, we were attempting this strategy a few months before I left to come to Digital Marketer. And the and I say strategy, and essentially I, all I mean, you guys, is just getting our brand like definition, just a brand page within Wikipedia. And even doing that can definitely take a lot of time. But obviously, like you were just saying, it's extremely valuable. So you want to be able to even just have a brand page within Wikipedia. But there's a lot of red tape when it comes to Wikipedia. And I'd love to just hear you talk more about like the steps that you've already taken in order to get it even published because there is like an editor level that you have to go through right and that's where we originally got stuck we couldn't even get it up in the first round because we were like wait we need an editor this is confusing (laughs) (laughs) which I think is just but it's so valuable and I think I I'm so excited to chat more about this because not a lot of people talk about it, and I think that's why it's so that's why it's so interesting to me. Yeah, you're right. Not not a lot of people talk about it, and I think it's kind of like important, as you said. Like Wikipedia has is one of the biggest websites on the internet, and the resources besides Wikipedia official guidelines and essays, there's not so many of them. Mm-hmm. Like I I can't I can't recall any good resource regarding creating a Wikipedia page besides actual Wikipedia. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> yeah. So so that was also kind of a motivation to to kind of create a case study around that. But first of all, I would like to point out that I probably wouldn't recommend people to create a Wikipedia page about themselves. <laughs> first reason being that it's likely not going to get approved or even if it's going to get approved, there's a high chance that it will be deleted later. And second reason is that the reason we were we were doing this for like increasing our brand equity and getting some more data into the, into the knowledge graph and consequently into the knowledge panel in the SERP. It's, it's, it's value, the value of Wikipedia and Wikidata, it's kind of decreasing over time. Like Google is relying on them less and less or maybe i would say that it's kind of able to extract this entity data from other websites really well too so it's not as important as it was before yeah i have definitely seen i mean obviously they still pop up but i've definitely seen less wikipedia results and actually i saw just kind of on twitter i saw on your feed i think you retweeted rand fishkin who is one of the founders of Moz, and he had just posted something that was really interesting. It looked like an internal document that you had retweeted from Google, like Grant had posted the internal document from Google, and it was talking about how they're a few different ranking factors and being that they're trying to get, you know, more content to rank based on like specific language queries and how the queries are typed in and, you know, just a variety of different I guess, a variety of different results, which you could then we could just go. I won't dig too deep into that, but Google has been definitely doing a few more algorithm updates in general around just trying to get more variety in the search results. And 
historically, Wikipedia has been a pretty important piece that not a lot of people talk about. But hearing you say that it's maybe not not the first step that you should be taking is really interesting. And I love the story. Why? So please, let's dive into it. <laughs> I would say that Wikipedia should be one of your last steps in your like marketing, <laughs> marketing plans and marketing tactics. Because it's really, really difficult to, to, to get it approved and get its stake on Wikipedia. So basically... Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. I would say the, the main two reasons why people can't get their Wikipedia page approved or they get deleted are notability of the entity or of the company or of the person who's trying to, to get the page. And notability is kind of defined on Wikipedia as being well covered in multiple reliable and verifiable sources, which is usually just the biggest news media or the industrial leading magazines books, academic journals. It can be, I guess, even podcasts or TV. It's, it's just about the coverage. It can be just a trivial mention. I mean, Ahrefs has a lot of links and mentions on websites like the New York Times. Yes, websites like this, but it, these pages don't really describe what Ahrefs do. So you can't really use it as a Wikipedia source. So you need, first of all, if you're going that way to create a Wikipedia page, you already need to have a really good PR or you need to really be a known brand in the industry. So you have the media coverage that's needed to get it approved. Yeah. I mean, I find, you know, you describing what's happening, which wait till you hear this, everyone. Yeah. To, 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 to be honest, I didn't, I didn't expect that it, the page wouldn't get approved or that it wouldn't stay at all. Like mm -hmm. I already thought and everyone in the industry thinks of Adrius as the, as the industry leader. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of links. I did the research, obviously, using the HF's tool set. So looking up, looking up links 
from reliable sources, the context of the link, so you can use it. You can use it to cite your Wikipedia page, and also like unlinked mentions in Content Explorer because like not every mention of your brand contains a link back to your website. So you also have to consider unlinked mentions. Looking up Ahrefs mentions in marketing and SEO books and so on. So first, you you need to create a really uh, a really solid list of resources to begin with. If you don't have that, like don't even start drafting the page. It's not worth it. It's gonna get. It's not gonna get approved. It sounds like you did a lot of research around this as you started building out these pages for Wikipedia. How many articles did you end up building total to try to get uh, approved on Wikipedia? You mean like our branded articles or SEO articles? Or yeah, in- how much? Like how many pieces oh. of content? I guess because you did in one, right? No, I actually went for only the one Ahrefs page. Like I didn't want okay. to create other pages. The thing is that in order not to be suspicious to other editors <laughs> and to like kind of get familiar with the Wikipedia content management system and how the stuff works on Wikipedia, it's really helpful. And I would recommend it to everyone to try and edit other articles. So, so you get familiar with the platform, how it works like. And it also doesn't look like you're on Wikipedia just to create your own branded page. So that's, that, that would be another minus point for you. If you just try to create a page and the editor, the, the nickname, if you, if you click through, it only has one contribution and that's the contribution to the exact branded page. That's that's suspicious, right? Oh, so. <laughs> that's right. So you actually have to like build your authority within Wikipedia yeah, by yeah, becoming yeah. like an almost becoming an editor of Wikipedia to like prove that you know. And you're supposed to. Um, it's it's come very slightly coming back to me now of what we were trying to do when we were trying to build our brand page, and it was we had to go in and try to edit, essentially edit posts around the subject matter of around what our brand was based on to prove that we were an authority in order for editors to accept mm-hmm. our brand page. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing, the, the, the second thing that I actually did wrong, but uh, to be honest, I tried to do, I tried to do everything 100% legit following the Wikipedia guidelines because as <laughs> I said, right, I was drafting the Wikipedia page and writing an article about creating the Wikipedia page at the same time so other people can learn from my experience. So <laughs> I obviously wanted to do everything 100% legit. Yes. And the second most important thing I would say besides, besides your sources and notability is how you actually write the article. And that's what I, I think that's what I did wrong because I wrote it myself based on the resources even though like I kind of like paraphrased the sources, I didn't write more or less, or I didn't really try to make Ahrefs sound better than they did in those on those pages, on those resources. It still probably wasn't as neutral as if it was if someone else unbiased was writing it. Sure. <laughs> so anyone goes this route and you have all those resources, all those links, books, and so on, I would just give, give this to someone unbiased, to your friend, to write your article about the entity that you want to get approved. And then you can actually push it yourself, but it's not written by you. I think that's, that might be a better option. 
you know, like you said, it's kind of a strategy that we don't really talk about a lot, but it is so fascinating in the fact that Wikipedia, it's like functioning essentially like its own search engine in terms of like the editors essentially would be like a Google crawler because they're going through and looking for all of these like red flags. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the, so you're optimizing. It's almost like a entirely separate set of optimization techniques within the Wikipedia platform in order to get ranked on... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can say that like when, when I'm talking about this and when I wrote a blog post, I don't mm -hmm. think it's actually worth it for anyone to go through this. Yeah. <laughs> like step up, step up your PR game so someone else creates it eventually. I, I don't think it's really worth it nowadays. I think this is so, well, okay, so describe what happened because you did okay. actually end up getting <laughs> it approved, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I went through the articles for creation process where you actually disclose that you're an employee of the company. So you disclose your conflict of interest, oh, which is gosh, according okay. to the <laughs> Wikipedia guidelines. So everyone who reviews the article, they know that there's a conflict of interest involved. And I got it. First of all, like my first submission, it got declined like within, within, within a day or two of the oh, submission. Yeah. Uh, with the, it, it was totally, totally legit. I agreed with that, what the editor said back then. Uh, like, my sources weren't that good, and I just had to improve that, which I did. So, on my second submission, I think I really improved the article. I really improved the sourcing, and I submitted it again. And it's, like, got a comment from some editor that Ahrefs looks notable enough. He kind of, like, or she, they watched for us. But it didn't get approved yet. It lasted like this for like six weeks, maybe eight okay. weeks until it gets some other comments from other people regarding maybe some sources or that some something is not as natural as it should be. So I was always like trying to improve the article based on the comments. And it finally got approved at one point. Yeah, you got it through. You, I mean, I feel like that's an accomplishment in and of itself is that it happened. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we got it through without paying anyone, just doing, it was, it was basically just one, one man show. It was just me trying to follow the Wikipedia gu guidelines and discussing, com communicating with the editors of Wikipedia. So it got approved. Yeah, like I was really happy, <laughs> but it, it, but dun dun dun. <laughs> yeah, it didn't last long. Like it lasted maybe like two weeks until uh, the page got flagged for deletion. Uh, someone came across across our page and told that Ahrefs is not notable enough. That SEO is a corrupted industry, and that basically <laughs> no one in SEO should have should have a page. That we're we're all scammers. That like he, he, uh, they they basically said that like uh, SEO and cryptocurrencies are the two worst industries on Wikipedia. Oh, so, <laughs> this is super intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so our article was flagged for deletion, which didn't mean that it's going to get de deleted. It's just... It's, in limbo. Yeah, yeah. It's when, when you go to an article that's flagged for deletion, you see it at the top of the Wikipedia article and you can click through to the discussion about the deletion where all the editors that, who come across that page, they vote 
either for keeping it or for deleting it and stating their reasons. Oh my gosh. You have to go, it's essentially like going in front of a Wikipedia board yeah, <laughs> and exactly. trying to <laughs> rally around all oh, just a brand. This is, oh my gosh, this is insane to me. And I think the most insane part about this, which is why I find this entire story so fascinating, is that it it deleted like other industry SEO pages. This editor deleted other SEO pages too, just because he doesn't like the industry in general. Is that right? Yeah. To be honest, it's not just this one editor. If you if you look up the history, if you look up our deletion discussion, probably like 80% of those comments are really biased uh, <laughs> against SEO in general. <laughs> I, I'm not like some of those comments were totally legit, like regarding, I still think it, sh- it should have gotten approved. It should have stayed because... Basically, they um, they didn't think that industry-leading magazines and news like the search engine journal, search engine watch, and so on are not really reliable sources. But I also uh, used other sources that are not related uh, with marketing or with SEO. So yeah, it was it kind of sucked. <laughs> but <laughs> but as you said, someone actually who. We don't know who the, who the person is. They commented in the deletion discussion using the argument that other SEO companies that are kind of on the same level as us, like SEMrush, Moss, and Yoast SEO plugin, that they already have an approved page and that they're not more notable than us, that we should stay. And the person who flagged us actually did the same thing to all those other pages. <laughs> <laughs> so to this day, when 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 we are recording, to my knowledge, most already got deleted, and there's still a discussion going on SEMrush page and on the Yoast page. So yeah, I I didn't really mean to trigger all of this, but <laughs> it's it's kind of brutal, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm sure our listeners have heard me talk about Yoast as well as SEMrush before, because we talk about all of these tools a lot. So the fact that just because yours is kind of going through an approval process that they all got flagged is so funny to me. And I think what's really interesting about all of this is that SEO is such a, it can be such a polarizing topic. And I, I always just laugh to myself because our social media manager at Digital Marketer will sometimes post just even just SEO tips, like simple SEO, like 101 tips on our Instagram after she's like chatted with me for a few minutes and she'll post some tips that we talk about on LinkedIn or on Facebook or on any of our social channels. And it'll always be, people are always like, these are great. I'm so excited to implement these. That's exactly right. Or SEO is this like insane industry that doesn't really exist. (laughs) It's almost like, yeah, like SEO conspiracy theorists are, (laughs) are alive and well. And it is, it is so funny. Well, I absolutely, I think it's, I'm so excited for this case study to come out because I think the entire story is fascinating and I appreciate you going through it. But now I have to ask you, because, you know, Wikipedia in general might not be the best strategy. So for listeners who are, you know, either SEO trained and experts or for our listeners who haven't haven't really started to optimize, 
What do you think is the best strategy moving forward for SEO? Like, what do you think, like, even just like for someone just starting out or listeners just starting out in SEO, coming from a content marketing role at Ahrefs where, you know, you're working for an SEO company, Wikipedia might not be the first place to start, but where would you start? I guess I would start reading our blog and watching our videos first because that's <laughs> all the knowledge you need. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and yeah, just just apart from that, just to get started with SEO, we'll kind of like prioritize a task if you're not, if you don't really know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like using our tool, let's say I would I would just put the website in a tool like site audit which crawls your yeah. website and flags potential issues and, and warnings, like technical ones. Mm-hmm. So before you kind of start writing more content, optimizing your content, making, refreshing your content, building links and so on, you should first of all make sure that your website is crawlable and indexable, which yeah. may be kind of tricky to go through this process manually if you're a beginner and you don't really know where to look at but if you have your website crawled uh, with site audit it flags all the issues for you and we actually explain what's the issue why is it an issue and how to fix it so i would kind of begin in there with some basic to fix some basic technical seo issues and then i would say generally the best tip would be to satisfy the search intent. I mean, probably everyone is saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I feel like if everyone's saying it, it has to be true, right? But I just want to reiterate exactly how useful this tool is within Ahrefs. And we use it all the time to crawl the site and make sure we're not missing any major technical errors. And you don't have to be a technical expert. You don't. You can be an SEO beginner and this will tell you exactly what's wrong. And some sites I've even seen, and I love that you said to make sure that your site is indexable. There are some sites where, you know, I've seen clients come and be like, I don't understand why I'm not, not ranking on Google. I mean, That's a story that I've told from Digital Marketer over and over again when I first started is that there was a page where they really wanted to rank for a specific search term and they asked me how they can rank for it. And I went and looked and the page wasn't indexable. I was like, oh, fixed it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> simply because there was just a no index tag on it. I re- I remember when when I worked for I, I worked for a content delivery network company before, so it was also software as a service in the IT industry. <laughs> and one of our big, biggest competitors, they did a re- uh, redesign of their whole website. Oh, that'll get and, you. <laughs> yeah, and like I obviously like I knew about the redesign at the day when it went out so I looked through their website it looked pretty good like UX wise but (laughs) all of those pages were no index so (laughs) so and I was like I I was checking it kind of often and it lasted them for like two or three weeks until they got it removed so it can happen even with really big and established companies it really can and yeah I I think yeah redesigns are they always sound like such good ideas, but in terms of SEO, it can really, you know, things can change that you're not even realizing. And yeah, this tool is just so great because you can just run the site through it and be like, oh, here's exactly what I need to fix and how to fix it. So I don't even have to worry about anything. I don't, we use it all the time. I'm not just saying that it's really a great tool. And then, yeah, like you said, 
focusing on search intent, I can't exaggerate that enough. I, I guess that's the right word in terms of, yeah, you have to write for what people are actually searching for, right? I think that's, yeah, you know, exactly. so such an important aspect. <laughs> I would say if you're like a total beginner, you don't have any tools yet, you don't know much what's going on. The easiest way how to tell what the people want who are searching for that exact keyword that you want to rank for or better set for a topic that you want to rank for is just typing that keyword into Google search and going through the top results. And you basically see what Google thinks is good for that keyword. So you kind of, I don't want to say replicate it, but you definitely take inspiration from that and try to keep the angle the same, but obviously add more value or add a unique point or, or something more than the other pages have. Yeah, that's my favorite content trick, not even only on Google, but the predictive search within YouTube too, to create videos of just typing in that like one word that you're trying to focus on. And then you're able to see exactly, you know, what Google thinks you're going to type in based on what people are searching for. It's such like a, an easy way to figure out how to create content, right? I love that tip. Yeah, yeah. And once you already have a tool like Ahrefs, you just put that keywords into Keyword Explorer and you actually see the top SERP. So you can click through the pages anyway, but you also see how difficult uh, the keyword is to rank for. It's a metric we call keyword difficulty, which is measured by the backlink portfolio of those pages ranking for that keyword. So the more links, the more quality and relevant links those pages have, the more keyword difficulty there's going to be for that keyword. So it's it really depends like if you really want to target that topic or, or keyword. Because when the keyword difficulty is high, let's say it's it's on a logarithmical scale. So let's say one to twenty, it goes really fast. Mm-hmm. But like sixty to seventy, it takes a while. <laughs> yeah. So if your keyword difficulty is something for us, I would say for us, the the threshold is kind of like 50, 60, when we start thinking that just writing the best content around that keyword or topic is probably not going to be enough to, to get it into the top results. So we need to do something more to get a ranking at the top. Yeah. And I love, I love that feature just because it, it's almost you know, from our perspective of being a pretty lean team at Digital Marketer, it's just nice to see that, to be like, okay, is it is it worth it? Or where are we already ranked? Like, are we already ranking? Are we on page two so we can just push it over the edge? Or is this just going to take too long to build content around in order to get there? <laughs> or do we need to get there eventually so we need to build it now because the keyword difficulty is high and it's going to take a while? It really just puts things into perspective, especially yeah, yeah. for any size business because you can actually like you said, you can see how fast it's going to take to rank based on that based on that difficulty. We always do that before before writing any blog post. That's in in the process what we do before before we decide if we're going to write a blog post or not. Besides other thing, like if it has if it really has value for us in terms of business value, so we can like naturally plug in our product. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's nice to know that even uh, 
you're not using a different tool at the company that you work at that you can actually get use out of it. And I know that any SEO we've talked with are always getting use out of Ahrefs as well. And we actually got connected. I forgot to even mention this when we started the episode because Ryan, our CEO Ryan, had actually reached out to Tim because Ryan had bought the blogging course that Ahrefs had that Tim, Tim did and then had got it for me just as like a... Like, let's check this out and make sure we're not missing any key new SEO strategies. And it was such a, like, highly recommend. It was such a great course just as like a, you know, even someone who's been in SEO for a while, it was like, oh, these are some new, really awesome strategies that we were able to implement on our blog. And I think just blogging in general is that obviously is such an, a creating content and the blog in general or wherever you store your content on your website is such an important aspect of SEO that it was just so helpful in general. Yeah, so we've been starting to get connected and it's been great to be able to chat more about all of these SEO things because I know I got on I got on with Tim to talk through some of the aspects of the course, which was really fun for me because I could blabber on about SEO all day, obviously. <laughs> me too. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here, Mikkel. And I have really enjoyed chatting with you. And hopefully our listeners got a lot out of it in terms of you know, if you are trying to build a Wikipedia page, where to start and uh, how to try to avoid any missteps in the process, or if you're trying to avoid it, exactly what to do just getting started in SEO so you can start driving traffic organically, which is my favorite way to drive traffic. But we, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and thank you so much for being here. This was absolute blast. I think the main takeaway is indeed not to try creating your own Wikipedia page. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this this discussion, and it's kind of let the steam out from, uh, let's say, a bit of frustration from getting it deleted. <laughs> but yeah, that's life. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, and make sure to check out Ahrefs blog. I we have already talked about throughout the episode that you're. I'm sure by the time this goes live, you will have some content out around it, which is sure to be nothing short of entertaining, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, this might be a good approach to get a link back to that post. Yeah. I have to remember that. I have to make a note. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll put that in the show notes. We'll definitely put that in the show notes so you guys can check it out. Until next time, guys, we'll see you later. So for all the resources and links that Amanda and Mikal mentioned in this week's show, head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 267. We'll leave all the juicy links there. And make sure if you are an SEO and you're not using Ahrefs, you should be using Ahrefs. It's the only tool that we use inside Tier 11. And certainly when we were an SEO company, that was the tool, our go-to tool. It's There's nothing better uh, on the planet if you're looking to optimize your site, but also rank for keywords and create useful content that is right in the wheelhouse of your ideal avatar. So head on over to Ahrefs. It's, uh, that's how it's spelled, but Ahrefs is how it's pronounced. We'll leave links to the show notes as well. So until next week, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.